Tonight we are turning to the book of Hebrews for our uh, sermon for the Good Friday service. You can find that on page number 1,872 in the Pew Bibles. And we're going to be looking at verses, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Again, that's Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, page number 1,872. Hear the word of the Lord. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, Because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven... There is no longer any sacrifice for sin. This is the word of the Lord. So it is reported that in Jerusalem, uh, during the Passover festivals, approximately 250,000 lambs are sacrificed. When I heard that, my first thought was, that is a lot of blood. Most of us, we get our meat at the supermarket, already butchered and cut, so we rarely, if ever, are exposed to the reality of blood and death. 
But when God gave the Israelites the sacrificial system, he intentionally wanted to expose them to this reality. He purposefully soaked them in blood and death. God gave his instructions to the people of Israel in the book of Leviticus, telling them how to perform the sacrifices. And there were many different sacrifices for many different occasions. Um, Some sacrifices were so the people could approach God and just praise him and pray. Other sacrifices were made as a way of seeking peace and fellowship with God. And there were other sacrifices in order to take away sin and guilt. And when they made these sacrifices, they would bring an animal and they would present it to the priests. And the priests would have them put their hands on the animal. And then the priests would slaughter the animal. And they would stand there and they would experience that animal dying and the life leaving its body. And then the priest would take the blood and sprinkle it on the altar. Sometimes they would sprinkle it on the veil of the temple. Some sacrifices called for them to take blood and put it on the horns of the altar. Other sacrifices called for the priest to take the animal and pour out all of its blood at the base of the altar. Why would God command his people to perform such a gruesome, bloody, practice. Why would it be necessary to approach God quite literally covered in blood and death? As I thought about it, I imagine they would never be able uh, to get rid of the stains on the bricks of the temple and the altar. Uh, The smell of death would never really get out of their nostrils. And then I thought about the effort, the work of it, taking these animals and slaughtering them and cutting them up and then washing their pieces and placing them on the altar and then remembering all the different details of the law, which specific sacrifice had to be offered in a certain way and which animals were required for that sacrifice and and how you were supposed to perform that sacrifice. This was God's way of telling the people, this is what sin does. This is the cost of sin. This is what it takes to even be able to approach him, to praise him, to ask him for the things that we need. This is what it costs for us to have a relationship with him and for sins to be forgiven. But the sad part is, all of those sacrifices were never enough for all of that. Our passage opens this way, the writer of the Hebrews says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? 
For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. So this sacrificial system was this ongoing reminder of our sin. And they repeated the same sacrifices endlessly year after year. Why? If they didn't accomplish anything. The sacrifices could never make perfect anyone who offered them in worship. Yet they had to keep offering them year after year. Not a single sacrifice ever cleansed them from their sin. Imagine imagine someone taking a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. How much time and effort and money would it take? The cost of leaving their business or their farm unattended. The time to travel there and back on foot or on a donkey. And they would go because their heart longs to draw near to God and to receive His grace and His forgiveness. And so they go through all of that effort. They bring their lamb to the altar and they put their hands on the lamb's head and the priest slaughters the lamb. They feel, its, they feel its life leave it. The priest pours out the blood and then their turn is over. Just like that. And they leave. And maybe they feel forgiven for a moment. Maybe they even experience the presence of God in the temple. But as they walk away, their thoughts betray them. Pride, anger, and envy, all still there. The very next moment after they offered the sacrifice, they're sinning again. What are we supposed to do? Do they go back? Do they grab another animal? Go and make more sacrifices? I mean, but even if they stayed in Jerusalem and emptied their bank account, buying animals to sacrifice them, they would, they would end up in the same place, going back home, penniless, still guilty. So no matter what, if, if we put our hope in those sacrifices, we'll end up disappointed Why? Well, the writer of the Hebrews tells us in verse 4. He says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So what was the purpose? What was the purpose of all these sacrifices if it was impossible for those sacrifices to take away sins? Well, we're told in verse 1, actually. He says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. So, so if, you can, if all you can see of someone is their shadow, how different is the real thing? Very different, right? The difference is night and day. A shadow is like the real thing in some ways. It has roughly the same shape and form depending on the angle of the light. But it's dark, it's, it's two-dimensional, it's faceless, there's no color, there's no contours. And if all you can see is the shadow, but you know you're seeing the shadow of God's love, 
the shadow of God's acceptance, the shadow of God's peace and his fellowship and his forgiveness, it would make you long to see the real thing. Something must be casting that shadow, you would think to yourself. The picture I have in my mind is of, you know, walking along the side of a building that's blocking out the sun and and up ahead around the corner, you can see shadows of your friends enjoying time together. There's no way on earth that you you would race up there to catch up with them to play with their shadows. Right? You, would, you would race up there so you could turn the corner and you could feel the sunlight on your face and you could spend time with your friends. And so it was the same thing for the Israelites. The sacrifices were a shadow of the good things that were coming. They were a picture of God's promise to be their God. No matter what. The sacrificial system was a constant reminder was a constant reminder that their sin was in the way of them having a relationship with God, but that he would make a way to deal with their sin and welcome them into his presence. So those who had true faith, they were not putting their hope in the shadowy sacrifices of bulls and goats. They were putting their hope in the fact that God had promised to be their God, God had made a covenant with them that he would be their God, they would be his people, and because of that, they weren't approaching God with the blood of bulls and goats as if that could really take away their sins. No, they were were approaching God with the shadow of bulls and goats, but they were looking around the corner. They were looking towards the good things that are coming. They didn't know exactly what those good things would be, but if they trusted God and believed his promises, they knew that he would be their God in spite of their sin. And so the writer of the Hebrews is writing to these people at this time, and he's telling them, don't go back to the shadows. God's people have always been saved because of their faith in his promises to them. And all of that blood and death was a reminder of their sin, pointing them back to God and his promises. They knew all this already in the Old Testament. First, because it was obvious, it was obvious that the sacrifice of bulls and goats could not take away their sin. That's one reason they knew this already. The other reason is, is because God explicitly told them. (laughs) So in this passage, the writer of the Hebrews goes on to quote Psalm 40, which says this, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So this is Jesus. This is Jesus in Psalm 40 speaking through David. God prepared a perfect body for Jesus. A human body. And Jesus came to this earth and he perfectly obeyed God's will. 
God himself comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ, his only son. He took on human flesh, becoming like us in every way, the writer of the Hebrews says earlier. He was fully God, but he also became fully man. He obeyed God's will perfectly in this life. He never once fell into sin. And the writer of the Hebrews tells us, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All those sacrifices show us that coming to God to praise him and to ask him for our needs requires blood and death. Fellowship and peace with God requires blood and death. And the only way to deal with our sin and guilt is through our own eternal death or the blood and the death of a substitute in our place. And that substitute has to be human because humans sinned and only a human could save other humans by uniting them to himself. And so God prepared a human body for him just like ours. But if another human is going to die in our place, he also has to be sinless. Otherwise, he would have to die for his own sins. So Jesus came and obeyed God's will as it was written about him in the scroll All of this was predicted in the Old Testament. And then he went to the cross and offered his perfect blood and his death in our place. The writer goes on. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest... When this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Notice the priests, they stand. They stand day after day, performing their religious duties. And they had to stand because their work was never done. They could never sit down and rest. But when Jesus offers himself for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he goes and he sits down. Because the work is finished. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So we come to God by faith and his once for all sacrifice in Christ We come to God through the blood and the death of Jesus Christ. We no longer only see the shadows of God's salvation. We see his victory in living color through the blood and death of Jesus. We trust in his promise to us that he is our God and that we are his people. If only we will simply believe. But we no longer have to wonder how he can fully cleanse us from our sin and invite us into his presence. We can rest in the work of Jesus in our place, knowing that he has made us perfect forever. Sometimes we come to worship in the same way that the Israelites did. We come looking for that worship experience to do something, to save us from something. 
And sometimes we come and we feel God's presence and we feel good and then we leave and we still feel guilty. We still feel the weight of our sin. We still feel as if something still needs to be done. But Christian, it's all done. It's all done. Whether you feel like it's done or not. Sometimes God will bless us with a sense of his presence and his love in this room. Sometimes he does not. Regardless, we are forgiven because he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And when we trust in God's work on our behalf in preparing a body for his son and in the son willingly and joyfully coming to die in our place, and when we trust in that, we experience the work of the Holy Spirit entering our hearts and applying that work to us, we see that our salvation is entirely the work of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father sends the Son, the Son willingly comes, and then the Spirit takes that work and applies it to our heart. Which is why the writer of the Hebrews goes on to say this. He says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So this is another quote from the Old Testament. This is from Jeremiah 31, where God promises to not only forgive our sins and to remember them no more, but he promises to write his law on our hearts and our minds so that we love his law and we delight in it and we no longer feel condemned by it because Jesus has obeyed the demands of the law perfectly in our place. Instead, we are free now to be moved by its beauty and God's love for us and showing us what it looks like to live a life that really does honor him. And there is no longer any sacrifice necessary Because through his blood and death, we are free now to come to God, to praise him, to ask him for what we need. We are free now through the death of Christ to come to him, to have our sin and our guilt washed away, and to have fellowship with him. Therefore, as the writer of the Hebrews will later say, right, three verses later, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Friends, this, this is the joy of being a Christian. To know that it is finished. Nothing else has to be done. This is why today is Good Friday. Because God has been good to us more than we deserve. And all we do is receive his goodness by looking to Christ lifted up on the cross and believe that his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and that God accepts his death in our place. Let's pray.
Father, we so desperately need to be reminded of these truths. That it is finished, that the once and for all sacrifice has been made. And that we stand forgiven at the cross. Your mercy and your grace comes to us simply because of what Christ has done and the faith that you have given us to receive that. And so we, Father, as we mourn our sin tonight, as we mourn the price that Jesus paid, we can't help but also love you and have our hearts moved that your great love for us would extend to such extreme measures. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.